Hello and welcome to Film Inquiries, the latest. This is a podcast series tackling the latest movie news, movie trends, and movie releases. I'm your host, Jesse Nussman. And on the other line, it's a special Film Inquiry podcast crossover because we have both of the hosts of the Blind Spotting podcast, Christy Strauss and Jake Tropola. Welcome, guys, to this special Halloween episode that no one's going to actually listen to on Halloween, but we're recording on Halloween, so all, all the best. Yeah, that's all that matters. It's, you know, it's Halloween for us. So, yeah, thanks for having us. It's exciting that this crossover event never happened before, so I'm very excited. Yeah, good to have us, Jesse. You're coming in hot for some hot new releases and uh, <laughs> hoping uh, hoping we have a grand old time talking what's new at the movies. You have yeah, a, so, a special, sorry to interrupt, special fourth guest is that my seven-month-old son, Dalton, is in my lap. He's wearing a bat costume as it's currently Halloween evening, um, so he'll be joining us if you hear any baby talk in the background. That's him. Don't worry. Everything is fine. Right. Yeah, uh, Dalton actually sent me an email right before we started, and we're going to change the episode <laughs> last minute to, he said we needed to do another uh, Black Adam episode, so I apologize for all the homework everyone did this week, but that's what we're pivoting to. He, he can't get enough of this stuff uh guys so this is kind of a hodgepodge episode because Mm -hmm. there's been a bunch of great releases that have come out in the last few weeks but wanted to kind of wait until end of october to like let these these movies sort of slowly roll out across the country and let more possible listeners be able to see them um i think the one that all of us have seen is decision to leave which Mm -hmm. is the new park chan wook movie uh, Park Chan-wook, the excellent South Korean filmmaker. Pro- most people, I feel like, probably still best know him for the movie Old Boy. Um, this is, I I think, correct me if you guys feel a little differently, this is sort of a little bit of like an uncharacteristic film for him in some ways. It's mm-hmm. obviously a genre movie which he loves to play around with, but is I don't think has quite the sort of operatic violence of some of his films particularly like the vengeance trilogy or even some of the kind of like perverse sexuality that can be in a lot of his movies it really is this noir that is both dealing in classic tropes but is also like deeply romantic kind of unexpectedly funny in places but has this fun sense of creativity to it um Mm -hmm. i think it's kind of one of his best movies even if it feels like him maybe restrained a little bit from some of his more, uh, I, w- I would say, uh, grotesque aesthetic uh, <laughs> interests. Um, but I'm I'm fascinated. I saw this um, kind of r- in a random set of circumstances before even I was at TIFF. Um, Park Chan-wook won the directing prize at Cannes for this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm dying to hear what you guys thought about it, how you feel it fits in his filmography. Um, take it away. Okay. So, um, yeah, I, I loved it. And yeah, I do feel like it is different. Um, you know, I, another film of his actually, I just discovered, um, was thirst, which I really loved, but you know, also, um, wildly different, (laughs) but, uh, even though there is that kind of romantic element, um, there as well. And there's some actually a little bit of other similarities, but yeah, I thought that this was a really interesting film and I feel like this is one and I've, you know, I actually know a lot of people that have said it, that the second time they watch it, it somehow like 
is just even like 10 times better. And I imagine it's because of the way that this is filmed and edited and um, kind of like you're solving the mystery as you go. And it, I already look forward to kind of revisiting it again. And, but yeah, I, I thought it was fantastic. And, you know, he has a great filmography. Um, but yeah, this is definitely less violence. Not, you know, it's not like a revenge thing. It's not a vampire thing. Um, it's, it's none of that. It's much more kind of grounded and um, even sweet <laughs> at times. Yeah, so I was, uh, as we were sitting here talking, uh, Park, I was running through his films in the, my head, and I've seen most of them, I would say, and I've, I've just sort of come to realize that he's probably one of our greatest filmmakers because I love pretty much all the work of his I have seen. Mm -hmm. um, and I think one thing that ha this is similar to his previous work is this is just such a, a an excellent exercise in, in film craft. And informally, this is one of the most impressive films I've seen all year, uh, particularly in regard to the editing. And I think that's if that's anything that runs through all of uh, Park Chan-wook's films um, is that they are very much enjoyable to watch. If you if you know a bit about film grammar, not to get pretentious, but mm -hmm. uh, I also loved it. Um, it is, you know, very different. It's got more of a Hitchcockian flair. Uh, I've seen some comparisons to Vertigo, which are all very apt. But, um, yeah, it's nice to just see him take uh, just this little uh, murder mystery thriller uh, slash uh, romance and kind of spin it into his own thing. And, uh, yeah, I had just a hell of a time watching it. And uh, you're certainly right about people liking it on the second viewing because I actually attempted to watch this a few nights ago. Uh, and I fell asleep after the first hour, uh, not because I wasn't bored, but I'm you know, just I'm a dad, you know, raising a kid. <laughs> Um, but, uh, so I rewatched it from the beginning last night and, uh, the first hour was just riveting for a whole bunch of other reasons. Um, but yeah, it's, this is one of the best films I've seen all year. And, uh, I think that'll be, that'll be a common statement I make in this episode, but the yeah, decision to leave is just fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. And definitely I, very I'm, Hitchcock. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited to see it a second time because I think like, the maybe one small nitpick I, I had with it that I, I've seen some other people I know kind of flag as a bigger issue is finding it very kind of convoluted and hard to follow at times. Mm. And I, I, I personally think some of that, I'm curious to see it again and wonder if some of that is because I think as I kind of hinted at on the, the tip episode when I talked about it and what you guys are kind of saying, like the, the way this movie is edited is, in such a unique way that I've never seen mm. in, a, in, I mean, maybe there's something I haven't seen that, that attempts this, but is, is so radical and unusual to the way we're sort of used to understanding kind of the, the language of editing and film grammar. And as, as Jake, you kind of said that, that sounds like a very academic way <laughs> to put it. That's like very dry, but this is such a like vibrant, exciting movie. And I think I was willing to sort of put away any kind of frustration and like, I'm not sure I can follow this in places mm -hmm. and just the excitement and pleasure in just sort of the craftsmanship of this movie and this kind of giddy sense of fun and just sort of finding shot choices and editing transitions that are out outside of what we typically see in a motion picture. And this is a movie that just has such a love and, and sense of fun in it for the craft of movie making um, as well as I think I just personally got so swept up 
in the kind of central lo- romance at the center for anyone who doesn't know what this movie is about. It's about a police detective who begins to fall in love with the widow of the uh, man whose possible murder he is investigating. And, um, you know, in, in, in describing this movie to, to friends and coworkers, um, a common kind of uh, response I got was like, oh, so it's kind of like basic instinct. And it maybe is a little bit on paper in the sense that that movie, you know, is Michael Douglas as this detective and mm. Sharon Stone is the the possible, you know, serial killer femme fatale that he's trying to get with. But I think the difference between something like this and something like that movie is the the tension in that movie is entirely sexual. Like it's, yeah. it is Michael Douglas saying like, I don't know, she's probably a serial killer, but that'd be kind of worth it if I could have one night stand <laughs> with Sharon Stone. But in this movie, it is it is the the frustration of just as the character is falling in love with this woman played by a Chinese actress Tong Wei, and I I think one of the year's most underrated performances. I don't understand why people are not discussing this as like a potential best actress front runner. Mm-hmm. But I think you as an audience are sort of falling in love with her simultaneous with the the lead character, and it is I would say more in par with something like Julia Roberts in Pretty Woman than Sharon Stone in Basic Instinct of it is a femme fatale character but it is it is a vibrant electric just sort of adorable movie yeah. star performance to watch and she's so like radiant and electric on screen and you kind of can't take your eyes off of her um and I I don't, I don't know did you guys kind of have that that similar feeling and in, in watching it and just sort of being caught up in kind of the, the chemistry and friction between these two people. Yeah, there's definitely chemistry and friction. And I think electric's the best way to put it. It's, it's definitely not as much, um, actually, I mentioned thirst. Like that movie, like, kind of screams like erotic tension. I mean, it's yes. like, <laughs> it has thirst for another reason, uh, another that for the name. But, um, but this was definitely more subdued, but yet always there. It was always present between them in every scene. And it's, um, it's interesting because not to like spoil, but it's like the whole movie is like that's just in the air wrapped around these two characters. And it's not like they really necessarily give into that, um, you know, obvious attraction, but it's just, they're both kind of consumed with each other and it's just, uh, it's pretty, pretty amazing. And yeah. Um, I think that also like to not to go back or be pretentious, but like the shifting kind of perspectives at time, like the way that it's filmed is very interesting. And I can see how it might be able to, like some people might feel it's a little bit, um, I don't know if I'd say convoluted, but just like hard to keep up with, which I feel like it even is for everybody. And maybe that's even on purpose because it's kind of like, you know, unsol- like solving the mystery. Obviously we could be pretentious and say the match cuts or, or something <laughs> use, but, um, but yeah, she definitely deserves the uh, attention for it. And I would love it if she got a Best Picture, uh, Best Actress nominee. It's funny, though, because literally so many, like, this is the year of terrific female performances, because I already have, like, five that I could think of. And I saw so many at TIFF, so it's it's tough. But I would love it if she got recognized. And she could get supporting, right? I mean, is that a way to squeeze her in? I, I, I guess <laughs> we could category rig it somehow. <laughs> I would agree and say she does deserve best picture. That prize should be to her. <laughs> yeah, so let's just give it to to give it yes, to Tong yes. You you Jake win for just everything. <laughs> no, we're all having fun here. Um, yeah, just to talk a little bit about 
because um, we've mentioned several times how this film is edited. Um, mm. But just to give a few clear examples as to why the, it's such a disorienting experience. Um, there, So there's this lead detective investigating the death of a mountain climber. Um, he fell, hit his head on the side of the thing three times. And then the widow, she's, she's automatically suspicious because she's like, doesn't seem to be grieving. She's already back to work as she's a, um, a nurse for uh, elderly care patients. Um, but with the, in regards to the editing, so as the detective is sort of figuring out what happened to lead to the mountain climber's death, mm-hmm. uh, we see a lot of these flashbacks of him using like clues and evidence. And we see it, the reenactment of that sequence, but also the camera will pan over and he's in the scene, like reenacting it on his own. And so like you, you, it's very like the time and space is just kind of bent. Um, mm-hmm. And then also whenever he like ha- has a conversation with her, there's a lot of great cell phone usage. In this movie, I, I yes, would a thousand is. percent agree. Yeah. <laughs> the best since personal shopper, I would say. Um, but like there's, there's scenes since she's, you know, obviously the widow, he's trying to get more information from her. There's scenes where he calls her and he'll be like in his car, but then it'll cut to her house. She answers the phone and he's standing in the living room talking to her on the phone like he's projecting himself into her living room, um, yeah. and but but then it's cutting back to him in the car. So reality is, you're wondering like, is he there? What what is going on? It's 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 very uh, and the film just like moves at a brisk pace. It's over. It runs over two hours long, but it just does not let up with this no. uh, with the style that Park has. And it is a little bizarre, but it like is compelling, and it really really works for the kind of film that it is. Um, for the yeah. noir and yeah i really dug it there's also a lot of like recording themselves which i thought was interesting like i don't know was it like on their watch <laughs> that they were yeah. doing it yeah on the like apple watches yes. that they, so fancy. they have <laughs> yeah i i think the the use of cell phone technology or apple technology hashtag no sponsors um that that's in this movie it just made me think a lot about how and it kind of ties into the creativity and and sense of fun that i mentioned earlier of <laughs> how like in some ways as much as technology has benefited our lives like it's kind of like sucked some like drama and suspense out of movies like how how many times are we watching something and be like well this this entire movie's plot or like visual aesthetics would completely like fall apart with just a cell phone um and how like we communicate with each other over just text so much and that removes any kind of face-to-face interaction and this movie i think finds such a fun and creative and interesting way to make it feel modern and the fact that all these characters are continuing to uh communicate with each other via text and iMessage but finding a way to make it visually dynamic um because just having just having a two characters sitting alone in their apartment, like quietly sending each other emojis. Like that's, that's, that's not going to be visually uh, exciting to watch. No, I think we all see enough emojis that we don't need (laughs) in life. It's Uh, yeah. Going back to like the, the cell phones ruin movies thing. Cause that's like a common thing in horror. There's always has to be the, the, like the cell phone has to lose its power or get right, smashed. Right. And, um, <laughs> but is this the first movie you guys have ever seen where like a step counter app figures into the plot uh, significantly? No. <laughs> that was crazy. I, I was that, yeah. that that might be a first. Yes. I yeah. I just love. I won't explain what happens, but that whole sequence leading up to that number is uh, was just like a phenomenal little 
like rug pull that yeah that it's pretty wild and also i mean i'm not like in nitpicking but the idea that the steps would be exact when redoing the <laughs> you know testing it out ah, you know but still um that pretty, i can i forgive it, yeah i can yeah. forgive it because it's cool <laughs> and inventive and i mean honestly yeah. i can definitely say that it's never been used i do not believe actually there's a few little things like that um that's the coolest one but like uh you know you switched the phones and you did this and there, yeah. it was just uh yeah it was a good time i'm already like excited to watch it again just talking about it even just like with like there's pov from inside the phone like if, you, if you're an iphone user there's that little the three dotted text bubble when somebody is replying to a message mm-hmm. we see that image's point of view staring at the detective as uh Tongwei's texting him and it, like it, like he, he he waits in it with giddy anticipation um, but yeah, the the romance that blooms between them, um, you know, not conventional by any means, but I love how it's handled because they're being cop. He, he's working with a younger partner throughout the movie, and he's kind of you know coaching him, helping him get along. And um, one thing they have like a rule is when they're on a stakeout, they have like a limited per diem, I guess. So they say don't buy expensive food. But then when he's interrogating her, he goes out and buys the most expensive sushi that uh, he could find. And when his partner comes back and sees, oh, can we reimburse that? Uh, one of the and they, they use laughs. a weird neck massager thing in the car. He's got yeah, he's got his little his little neck massaging rod, <laughs> trying to put it on his buddy. There, there's also the great um, like later uh, Tongway texts. It just says like, hey, can you come over? Smash cut to the detective in the car gunning at <laughs> 80, 90, 100 miles an hour. Like, as we're seeing on his speedometer, just the numbers going up. And then it rack focuses to his hand with the wedding ring on the steering wheel. And, like, it's if you don't, if you're not enjoying this movie by then, I don't, I can't help you. This is not the movie for you. <laughs> That's yeah. a good point. Yeah. And I love their relationship in the sense that they almost have their own language. It's a very interesting romance. And I, I don't just say that because of like, the interesting way that the movie's cut but it's almost like um they say things without saying things but also like even some of her uh, i don't want to quote her and i don't even know if i could at this point but like you know it's some something he hears at the end and there's just some interesting ways of kind of expressing that they like each other that they have emotion and they also enjoy just watching each other sometimes without the other person knowing which is um you know, I guess you could say this creepy, but in the context of this film, it's it's uh it's sweet. But yeah, I, I thought that their romance was definitely very different than I'd I'd really seen. So it was one of my yeah. favorite aspects. I love how it kind of becomes at one point like like the central mystery at the center kind of becomes irrelevant at some point because mm-hmm. at a certain point the movie becomes about these two characters realizing, well, the only way we can really kind of be around each other is if i'm a suspect (laughs) is if she's a suspect so we need to come up with all these like convoluted sort of false directions and like false flags for the case to go in order Mm. to kind of like keep the wheels spinning and have it always sort of be in the work so that we have this excuse to hang out together and that i thought was just such a like is is both like really sexy and romantic but also is just such a like fun concept that i had never it's like seen phantom before in a, movie. a little bit too you know right yeah there, <laughs> there's like a perverse sweetness about it that i really love yeah oh the things you do for love yeah <laughs> well two other movies that i definitely wanted to bring up on this episode that have come out in the last month uh banshees of anna and triangle of sadness both were at tiff 
Um, I spoke a little bit about Banshees of Inishirin on the TIFF pod that we did. Uh, Jake, I believe you just saw it the other day, and judging by your letterbox response, we're really ecstatic about it. Um, it's it's a great movie to unpack and talk about. It's like similar to Decision to Leave. I'm excited to see it again, hopefully, um, just because it I can imagine it being even more rich on on a second viewing but i'm i'm dying to hear your thoughts because it's it's kind of like up there with something like tar as like as soon as i hear people seeing it i i want to know like what did you think about it what do you think this means and stuff because it's it's very ripe for i think allegorical interpretation as much as it is like arguably one of the funniest movies of the year oh definitely um yeah i saw this and uh, i actually had no intended plans to do so but after i saw it i i went to christy and like hey did anybody is anybody going to write the review for this? And she said, no, it's available. And I was like, oh, great. Well, so, and then I wrote the review that's up on the side if you'd like to read that. Um, but yeah, uh, my praise was glowing when I wrote it. And I, I still, I, I can't stop thinking about that movie. It is just such a rich little character piece with just these, basically these four central characters on this island. Um, but the central conflict with Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson is fantastic because you you really understand where both men are coming from, and I I don't really want to get into you know what it's about. Just, I don't, Christy, I don't think you've seen it yet, but I I do not want to spoil any any bit of this. But um, what I love is that McDonough is a lot of these, a lot of these characters like say funny things, um, and especially Barry Kilgan is the like the village idiot on the island, but um, like he he never lets anyone be reduced to a joke. Um, there is very much, these are all very sentimental characters, um, even if it's not outright stated, but like just the, the way they communicate the, these, their you know, inner feelings through their actions, um, is really just something kind of lovely to pick apart and, and, and witness. And there's, you know, just a lot of pent up existential angst that one can get from watching it. And if you know the premise, it sounds like it could just be a horribly insufferable movie to watch or just like, oh, this is unbearable. I don't want to watch a movie where this happens. But again, it's also just really funny and like the most bizarre of times. Uh, if you're familiar with McDonough's work, this is like the closest he's gotten to recreating the magic of In Bruges, uh, which is a film that I love dearly. Um, it's really nice to see him play again with these two actors. And yeah, I I think can't think of a better, more fulfilling experience this year uh, in the theater, other than maybe RRR, which is still my number one uh, for 2022. But yeah, the Banshees of Inisherin is is just it may not seem like it at first, but it really is just such a monumentally profound film when you get to the end of it. I I can't re- recommend it enough. Yeah, I I I think it is. I've been telling people I think it has the single best screenplay of the year in just the hilarious kind of pitter-pat dialogue between all of the characters and the performances at the center i i I think i mean colin farrell in anything i think is pretty great but colin farrell playing an absolute moron is is just like chef's kiss magical (laughs) um and but it's also like like you said got all these great existential ideas and i i also don't want to spoil anything for for Christie, other than to to say, you know, there there's there's a historical aspect of this movie that I think is is ripe to unpack. There is a this sort of question of like what what lasts longer in in culture? Is it is it us leaving a 
sort of lasting work and having our lasting legacy or is it how we treat the people around us and the movie never quite coming down on either side of that issue but just sort of posting these questions and having these various characters be these kind of mouthpieces for these different ideological arguments um and that's a very dry way of putting it but but as as you said jake like it is hysterically funny movie and these actors just have such great chemistry with each other i'm someone who has not always been the biggest martin mcdonough fan i love in bruges i kind of don't like the other two movies he's made kind of in between these but this has i think really uh brought me back to him and i i think feels like something that he i think my problems with i had with like seven psychopaths and um three billboards was him not quite having a handle on just the sort of cadence and culture of american life in the same way that he does sort of the irish (laughs) kind of like rural ireland and the kind of uh cultural framework of that part of the world and so i think him kind of coming home and doing something there feels so much more rich and so much more fully realized than i think his more hollywood centered movies have Yes, this is us going, uh, stay in your lane, Martin. <laughs> Let you know what's coming to you. Um, but uh, I like Seven Psychopaths. Um, but yeah, no, Banshees is just, uh, yeah, it's, I think it's, for as fun as In Bruges is and as dark as Eflin gets, I think uh, Banshees stands out as his most outstanding achievement so far. So, Christy, you saw Triangle of Sadness, I, I believe. Yes, I'm very sad about not seeing the movie you were just talking about. I just want to let you know. <laughs> we, it's okay. like my most anticipated, and I have not seen it. So It's it's very okay. Sad. There's plenty of time. Yes, There's, I know. There will be plenty more time to talk Banshees. I'm, I'm sure as it like continues to be maybe at the center of the awards conversation going forward. Um, for as much as those things do and don't matter anymore. Um, but as far, actually, ironically speaking, take it very seriously. Well, I was going to say, ironically speaking of awards, the movie we're going to talk about next, like won the Palm door at, at, at con. Um, have you seen it, Jesse? I have, I went and saw it yesterday, um, in prep for this. Um, I'm very, very curious what you thought about it. Cause as I maybe had like, I, I think I would still recommend it to someone if they were like, should I go see it? But I think it was definitely one of those experiences where I was like, huh, the French, the French really are unique that, that they saw that and were like, that, this that gets this the palm dis- this year. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That, I mean, I haven't seen the full, the full can lineup from, from this year, but, uh, it, it seemed, it was just sort of like, Oh the best. yeah, no. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. It screams, you know, feed, eat the rich. <laughs> yes exactly in in a year that is seems like is filled like i can't tell you how many movies i feel like we watched that seem to be like that at tiff with like the the knives out sequel and then the menu um mm. and and this movie but um i you and i have not discussed this at all so i'm very curious what your thoughts were on it we have not yeah i saw this at tiff um a very crowded theater and uh, so I thought, you know, I mean, I thought it was really funny for a while. <laughs> Let's put it this way. I feel like it's too long. I feel like the third act kind of goes a little bit off the, the rails a little bit. I thought that um, there's some really random like Woody Harrelson is in part of the movie. Um, 
I thought that like some of the satire and, you know, even though it was like so obviously hitting you over the head, it was funny. And I, I, I thought it was amusing, but you know, by the end of it, I st- like, as much as I did laugh or I did have fun with aspects, um, I, I was a bit let down, but also I just, I don't think it's his best work. And I also just don't know, I don't know, it winning that award kind of threw me for a loop because yeah, I guess I was like comparing it to other winners. <laughs> I was like, I, I just feel like he had a, had something but i don't i didn't love it let's say that i did like it but i didn't love it yeah this is obviously the new satire from uh swedish director ruben oslin i'm, I'm curious jake what are, what are kind of your thoughts on on oslin as as a filmmaker oh yeah i uh i haven't seen triangle yet um <laughs> disclaimer get that out of the way on top i do really want to see it though uh, i love force majeure um, same I've I've only also other seen uh, the, the square. square the square uh, which, which is his other Palm Door winner from yes. like three or four years ago I believe yeah and I yeah. think Force Majeure was nominated if or at least in competition right I believe if I'm, if I'm so mistaken. so yeah he's kind of he's kind of just been a, a can a can boy favorite uh, for the last few years but um I really also like the square uh, I know a lot of people turned against him uh, with that movie but I I think it's really funny. Uh, uh, entertaining, um, but and I'm really I'm really keen to check out Triangle of Sadness. I've I I know little about it other than I think it's like three sections and they kind of mm-hmm. just grow gradually grow more disappointing as the film goes on. Starts strong, does not end well. But um, I yeah I'm I I you know I'm in it just to see what he you know what he did. And of course, it being a palm winner, I'm curious why why it was chosen. Uh, even though decision to leave was right there. I was gonna there. say, can we get yeah. an though, answer to that? <laughs> yeah. Though I, though I guess, uh, yeah. Though I guess, uh, decision to leave did, did get director, so that's something. But uh, yeah, pardon me. Um, I yeah, no, I really, I want to see. Uh, uh, in so many words, I have not seen it, but I do want to see uh, Triangle <laughs> Sadness just uh, out of my own curiosity and enjoyment of um, Austin's previous films. Uh, you know, some people I've seen love it. Maybe I'll be one of the same. Uh, yeah, no, for sure. There yeah. are definitely people that love it. I feel like I've had less people say they hate it. Um, it's more or less been like lukewarm to, to liking, mm-hmm. but um, I don't know, Jesse, yeah. what was, did you feel similarly or? Yeah, I'm, I'm probably similar to you if I think it like mostly kind of works. It's, it's yeah. interesting what you said, Jacob, kind of like what you've heard is sort of like, it starts really strong and then maybe like kind of, gradually gets gets a little weaker and weaker i kind of felt yeah i kind of felt the opposite really of i i think it as the movie goes on it gradually gets more broad and more absurd and i weirdly think like that's where the movie's strength sort of lies i think as a class satire it's not really that successful i almost feel like my sort of big issue with the movie is i think every it, it it sort of doesn't quite it does it it doesn't quite reach what it's trying to grasp or that the satire he's making kind of is is straining so hard i think to i'm still trying to wrap my head around it a little bit i i think it's this is a movie that really feels like it's on to something and saying something really profound about yes. the world we live in and, and about the super profound. rich today yeah. right and as you're saying christy it's not really doing anything that like Louis Binwell was doing in like the seventies or something. So it does, it did kind of grade me a little bit in certain parts of like, this movie is not as smart as like you think it is. But then when the movie is sort of like broad, really cartoonish, silly comedy, (laughs) right. And becomes like more operatic, farcical absurdity. (laughs) 
then I think that's when I vibe with the movie more. Um, and I think what you can see is Oslin is just like has such a talent at creating kind of comedic set pieces. There's one in the center of this movie that um, I don't want to ruin for you, Jake, other than maybe say if you're maybe 15 like minutes of seasickness. Yeah, that that's actually a good description. <laughs> I, I will say the theater I went to had special triangle of sadness barf bags that they made sure were available for everyone going into the theater. And that it is a sequence that I think would make the, the boys from jackass blush quite quite a bit is, it, is yeah, all i'll goes, say and i'm actually a fi- like a fan of things that go on too long a lot of times mm-hmm. in comedy movies like some of my <laughs> i think me and jacob even talked about it um from like uh hot rod when he's like rolling down the hill it goes on forever and funniest <laughs> like, thing right th- things <laughs> like that like gags there's one from uh we we come together or whatever where paul rudd keeps repeating something over and over. those type of things like always like kill me this was like that but it was like disgusting as and so like it's it's like you're wondering how far are they gonna how long is this gonna go like how far is he gonna push it um which was funny but then it was like yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, see, see, I almost got caught up. I, I enjoyed of seeing like how big is this going to go, yes. and then to like like the third act, which I'm I've I haven't been quite sure how to. I'll kind of leave it vague into saying yeah, like we'll leave it the, vague. the third act kind of really tips over into full absurdity. Um, yeah. and and I think that was my favorite chunk out of the three because it's like, all right, you've this is ballooned into like full-on cartoon at this point and i think this is a better mode for for your satire than really trying to uh be a bit more precise with the girl who's an influencer um and you know like i mean that's kind of like how they get on a cruise is because she like gets it for free because she's an influencer which i don't know if anyone notices like how many movies come out now where the job is someone's an influencer (laughs) like is that just (laughs) life now like or is that (laughs) I guess yeah. so. <laughs> I don't know. Is that the actress who passed away recently? She yes. did, yeah. 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 yeah, sadly passed away. I believe like, gosh, it was like right around the time. I feel like we were at TIFF when the news broke or something like that. I think like it was that. like two weeks before TIFF. Yeah, it's, oh, it's maybe. crazy. And she was only like 32 or she was young. Yeah, yeah. tragic. And, she, and she's quite good in the movie. I mean, I, I think I think everyone is, is pretty good. Even, and Woody Harrelson's I mean, hilarious, even though yeah. he has a small part. But. Very, very small Woody Harrelson bit. Who, he's really only in like two scenes of the movie, I would, Him I would say. Him a guy getting drunk and just like talking is one of my favorite sections. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, as you kind of hinted, the, the movie really is, it, it sort of like begins with this like social media influencer couple and then follows them and their relationship for most of the first act and kind of satirizes that world and lifestyle and then moves them onto this yacht that is occupied by the the super rich, like 1% of the 1%. And then things go awry there and then it goes into... Uh, a different place a, for the third a, act. <laughs> a different place for the third act. Yes, yeah. yes, that's 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 appropriate. That's a very Just cool to, way. Uh, touch back on the the extended sequence you guys uh, alluded to um if i'm not mistaken i think i've seen a like one of the post official posters for this film is like this rich socialite woman just projectile vomiting onto like basically the lens yes it's, yeah i i mean well that just seeing that it's a i i can understand some people would be like okay like ruben what are you what are you doing here uh you know i yeah. we get it it's you know drunk on wealth or whatever yeah. but um yeah it's uh, i guess yeah i think some people weren't really a fan of his like 
his acceptance speech when he won the Palm d'Or because uh, mm. Gore because he he like he did that like everybody say fuck yeah with me or whatever and he got like the, the <laughs> audience to have like a guttural scream. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if he's getting too big for his britches, but um, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, two two back to back can wins is uh you know it happens. I yeah. Guess. And I probably like, un- unlike you, I think I think this is about on par with the square for me of that was one where I really loved Force Majeure and then the square I thought was solid, but maybe like a a bit a bit overblown in some in some ways and maybe yeah. like was a bit trying to like wrap its arms around too many different things yeah. to satirize and make fun of. Whereas I think like the beauty of force majeure is it's so precise and so sharp and like what it's trying to make fun of. Um, and you know, then we can ignore like the awful English language. I was going to say, re- should we remake. talk about the remake? <laughs> no, no, let's bury that. Let, the best thing that probably could have happened to that is just like, we all forgot about it because uh, a pandemic happened. We won't even speak its name. Right. Yep. Exactly. Can you even name that movie? I just know it has Will Ferrell and, I'm actually that... trying really hard to remember. Is it called the name of Down it? Downhill or Downfall or something? Snowbound Down. or something. <laughs> yeah, it's got like some very bad like very Down generic snow, name. Snow Hill. Yes. yes. Winter. It's just called Winter Snow Ski. I actually um, had a hat because it was at Sundance when I went, and they had like a little cool um, place that you could get free soup, and your fortune told, which is weird. I don't really. No, the combination is very strange, but I remember, I should remember the name because I had a hat, but I don't, I think it might be downhill though, but, um, (laughs) I was about to say you got a force majeure hat. That's where I thought this was, this was leaning into, that's awesome. Can, can I get one of those? (laughs) I was going to ask, did they serve serve the soup in the hat? (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, so that happened, but, um, yeah, I, it's interesting too the the whole scene that goes extended and i feel like that's just like the only spoiler we give so if that's the case i think it's all right but um they also show them like eating this ridiculously like meal beforehand <laughs> which is what kind of makes it so funny because they're like it's, stuffing it's their like face all the food that you would not want to be eating when like the boat is like aggressively rocking yeah. back and forth <laughs> it's like on setting the ocean. Up. uh yeah it's it, it sets up it pretty well but also i think there's more than the human body even contains that comes up in that part but we'll just leave it there um i don't know as a dad jake you might you might disagree i don't know when what you're what you can Uh, see in a day but um no vomiting yet which is great um (laughs) seven months in haven't had that as an issue but uh there's still time you know there is time yeah that's because dalton's a little uh 007 you know that's right he's got an iron stomach we're just filling up with uh dry martini shaking not shirt Oh, you know, when he gets a little older, you have to get him like a mini car that looks like a, a James Bond vehicle. A, a little is... mini at like Aston Martin to like yes. right. him around in the... <laughs> Some kids get a fire truck. My son's the Aston Martin. <laughs> and has like the little like... What what would the little guns like shoot? Like, like little water guns that you can just like eject or, out like, of the car? Or like shoot out like little darts that are like just made of like foam smash. darts. Yeah. Foam darts. <laughs> Hasbro, get get at us. We'll yeah. you, you can are, actually sponsor the show for if you make this. You guys are filling my head with dangerous ideas, which is not a good <laughs> thing to have when you're a father. Well, the one last thing I w- I will say about a uh, triangle of sadness before we wrap it up is is weirdly the other thing I thought of constantly while watching it. Have either of you watched um in the new season like just 
aired last night, which is probably why it was like right. Yeah, White Lotus, which yeah. seems to me to be like seen it. the more ideal version of this, in which case, like the sat satirizing rich, naive, snobbish, wealthy people, but doing so in a way that feels very current and very modern, um, but not in this kind of like hashtag internet sort of way. Yeah, but is that's also actually a like, great way to say. Yeah, but is also like hysterically like fall off the couch funny. Right. Well, um, Mike White's and, hilarious writer too. Yeah, yeah, um, agree. And he, he really nails it with White Lotus. You haven't seen the first season, Jake? No, I keep being told to, uh, especially <laughs> by my mother who's listening to this. Hi, mom. Um, I promise I'll get to it soon. But uh, yeah, it is like on my watch, list too. Yeah. yeah, especially if you watch like binge it, I'm sure you could get through it pretty fast. But it's yeah. self-contained. Like each one, each season's going to be a different story even though it looks like we'll get some familiar faces at least one um from last night's episode or yeah from last night's episode but yeah no i think that's a really kind of terrific example of doing this right and not being Mm -hmm. too big for your britches um in the sense that i think he i don't know thought that this was smarter than it really was and took some missteps and unfortunately you know i still did enjoy it like i still walked out of the theater and had a great time um but at the end of the day, I wouldn't, you know, rate this as a, you know, top prize winner at a festival, um, especially when, you know, considering the two other movies, which obviously I haven't seen Banshees, but I know enough people that have. And from how you two talk about it, I can assume that I'm going to love it. But when you think of the two movies we just talked about and then Triangle of Sadness, it feels like more sadness when <laughs> in comparison. But uh yeah and it's you know wild because um all three of those were at tiff so yeah i could not get into banshees that was a bitch to get tickets to i I think we all at film and queen tried to get into that but i i went to the i got up early and went to the 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 press press screening they they had got to sneak that in right before my my afternoon flight and was 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 glad i did uh, well, before we wrap things up, wanted to give both of you the opportunity. If there's anything because so much stuff has been kind of coming out lately. If there's anything that maybe haven't gotten a chance to champion on any kind of platform that you just wanted to give a shout out for people to check out, especially now is well, not where you live, Jake, because you live in sunny California, but <laughs> on, on on the East Coast is the weather starts to get colder and people are staying inside and eating soup and all of that stuff. Like, some, it some is stuff soup people season. can check out. It, it is, is soup, soup season. season. It is long sleeve weather here in LA, so just so you know. <laughs> it, it was a nice brisk morning when I got dressed. Yeah. Okay. 70 degree morning. Yeah, 70 yeah. degrees. <laughs> But um, yeah, I don't know if you guys talked about this, but uh, I want to give a just a special. I mean, we're not we're not in Halloween anymore. Um, don't see Halloween. My, my favorite month to uh, Halloween ends. I liked it, but uh, no, I'm gonna <laughs> give a shout out to Barbarian, uh, which just dropped on HBO Max. Yeah, I don't know if you guys have talked about it on the show, but we, um, we, we haven't, and I weird. just watched it. The yeah, it is very weird. <laughs> I think I I just missed. I think because it came out in theaters around the time that we were at TIFF. And so yeah. it just sort of fell through the cracks. But I, I watched it on HBO Max like last week when it was, was yes, on. So you guys have so both seen it. Yeah. So yeah, so I think this Triangle of Sadness episode has just turned into a quadrilogy of happiness. Let's yeah. talk uh, Barbarian. <laughs> like triangle of Radness now. Yeah, right. Yeah. 
So yeah, I I went in completely cold, and I suggest you all do the same uh, yes. if you watch it. Uh, it's one of the, it's the it's the best horror movie I've seen this year. Uh, as I pull a baby from off screen, um, <laughs> yeah, it's I, it's a really good time. It's short, um, and uh, yeah, it's very inventive. Uh, it is I, very I had inventive. a blast watching it. Yeah, I it's uh you know to speak to the story you know it, it kind of like uses something that probably is a general fear of like our like our time as far as like going to an airbnb and a for some reason someone else is booked because that would be a freaking nightmare <laughs> um and also the potential of something in city is happening and incurring within that time and i know there's been some other i think there was like the rental or something the um franco one oh that there god was... yeah the the <laughs> Directed by the yeah, the Franco brother. Frank Terrible. yeah. We'll put that in the box with the 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 Force Majeure remake. We'll we're burying that in the sand. We're just tucking it away. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and there's obviously been others. Um, there, there actually was one that I can't think of for the life of me uh, with Aaron Paul too. But yeah, it's obviously that time like current climate wise, people are staying in Airbnbs. I think more often than hotels, at least were for a while, and it already like kind of builds on that fear. But then also like. You know, the actress, um, I can't think of her name, right? I didn't expect to be talking about this, but she arrives and, uh, you know, a scars guard is there, which most people might not mind that. Um, if sorry, that's a scars guard joke, Bill, um, unless he's Pennywise, in which case <laughs> I didn't, I didn't recognize him. It took me about like Seriously? five minutes in the movie. I was just like, he kind of looks familiar. I think it just cause like, I'm not used to seeing him without the Pennywise makeup on. Yeah. And, and, you know, like they kind of decide to just like, you know, whatever they can stay together in different rooms, etc. And then, you know, that's like the much spoil that I'm going to do, but it's um, a really great setup. It like keeps you thinking. Cause you don't know, like, is this guy sketchy? Is she sketchy? You don't really know. And you just know that there's some, something else going on. And um, <laughs> it's so hard to look <laughs> at that baby and not want to talk to him. Uh, <laughs> but uh, also Justin, Justin Long is also in the movie and he's just hilarious. Like I'm sorry but I will always be like uh, a Justin boy, a Justin Long fanboy because Justin boy because I don't know, he's just always like awesome in everything he's ever in and he's like one of the only people I've met as a celebrity that is like exactly as you would imagine them to be and they're just like wonderful. So I'm always going to champion him, but he has some funny, hilarious, especially one scene in particular with a measuring tape. I'll just yes, say. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. I didn't want to give it away, but there's like, along with just Banshees being one of the funniest films, Barbarian is filled with many hilarious things and the tape measure sequence uh, being one of them. Um, yeah. And yes, when he's singing right when they first out. show him in the car, I don't know what that weird freaking song was that he's singing either. I don't know if anybody knows, but when they first show him in his like sports car, it's like the Tiki it's a Donovan tacky. song. I don't know. It's weird, but it's all yeah. it's perfect. And he's so high on life. And then. But anyway. Yeah, yeah I think as you mentioned, Christy, this is this is a movie that does to Airbnbs what like Psycho <laughs> did the showers or Jaws did to going to the beach. Like you'll you'll probably think twice about renting an Airbnb in the future. But yeah. I. I really don't want to say anything about it um, other than it is it is just I, I think to kind of tie it into decision to leave. There's just so much kind of like 
fun movie making in it mm. and it really and the discovery is... is important here so that's right. why i want to go in cold yeah right it's a movie that is kind of constantly throwing so many kind of like surprise curveballs at you and when you think it's going one direction or is one kind of movie it completely shifts and pivots to something else i have no idea if it would work seeing it a second time but it is like one of the more fun enjoyable go in blind first viewing experiences i've had at something this week so and as as you said jake it's it's on hbo max right now so like you can readily just like watch it at home if you missed it in the theaters and gather a perfect movie to gather around a group of friends not know anything about it and just sort of like enjoy the reactions of everyone in the room that that would be my recommendation I watched it with my wife and son here so yeah we had a great old time as a family (laughs) watching barbarian together (laughs) dalton was very excited we're we're making a horror film fan of him i have him yet you gotta start early but um thoughts on a barbarian mister (laughs) <laughs> he was no. very contemplative though <laughs> um i will i will champion one other thing um cabinet uh guillermo del toro's cabinet of curiosities came out um mm. this week mm. i consumed them all each you know it was two released a day and it had a lot of like prominent you know talented filmmakers um including like jennifer kent um i'm trying blanking out on some i think i remember her the the guy who made the empty man didn't he like do one of them or something like that yep um yes and uh even uh catherine hardwick did one which is random but um yeah so i just thought it was a really interesting idea they're basically episode length they're like 60 minutes it it has this intro with him every time where he sets it up very like twilight zone-esque in the sense of like you know he has this like cool thing with the keys and he's gives just like this a little like alluring um speech and you know some of them like overall i i really enjoyed it i think that there's like three standout episodes that i thought really rocked um and then there's like a few others that didn't quite hit the mark as much but they're all like you know in total like a lot of fun and the one with jennifer kent is uh, directed is especially um who did you know the babadook is especially good it's it's um one of the most like I don't, it's it's only like an hour long and it's like one of my favorite you know horror things this Ooh. year so it's worth a watch it's not super scary if anyone's thinking that i mean obviously they timed the release it's on netflix around okay. halloween um and it was dropped on the 25th through 28th and you know i think he might come back and do more but i just think it's a it's an opportunity because it's beautiful to look at i mean obviously anything that guillermo del toro is going to get behind is going to be but they're very interesting you know there's some uh lovecraftian stuff you know haunted houses um you know demon stuff um there's a lot of variety and uh giant rats uh and they're like all take like over different time periods so there's a very interesting aesthetic to each so it's it's definitely worth uh trying out and if anyone does i'd love to hear their favorites um one of mine is the autopsy the murmuring and the outside i think of the name so just to give you a and there's so many actors too and stars in it. There's a really yeah. great like uh, cast in all of them. Guillermo del Toro has his name on so many projects. I never know if he's just producing it or if he's the director. <laughs> right. Yeah, he he didn't direct these. I think there's a there's a stop motion Pinocchio film that he did direct that's coming there, out. Right? There yes. is. I'm I'm that's seeing okay. it in a couple weeks. I'm yeah. I'm very super excited. stoked about it. <laughs> yeah. 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 
Wait, what? so he entered, he like roll, like walks out. Yes. And like does like the, oh my God, you, that might sell me right now. I mean, that's what he, someone just needs to hire him to do, to do that, that at anything. Yeah. Like even like, like the Hitchcock? freaking, yeah, yeah. Or yeah. even like, like, can we just get like Guillermo del Toro introduces the Haunted Mansion ride at like Disney World or something like that? Like, can he just do that for an afternoon? Cause that, that seems like whenever he's done making movies, he just needs to, morph into like i'm the guy who just like introduces weird creepy shit out in the world (laughs) that that seems perfect for him i would agree um very far from now though because he's i think one of the most talented directors out or unique in a sense that uh but this is a really interesting idea for a series though so i i'm curious to if it gets a second season or what everyone thinks like like i said i wasn't like blown away but i think some of them were a little stronger than others but overall i thought it was pretty interesting how different each of the stories were and i think that's brilliant i mean i think that in in a lot of ways encapsulates what is amazing about the genre of horror or fantasy is that there are so many things that can happen in so many different directions and subgenres. it's one of the most um i don't know genres that has the ability for imagination and you know uniqueness so um cool well christy <laughs> jake dalton <laughs> Thank you for 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 joining us this week. Uh, is what what's what's the what's the next sort of pair of movies that you guys are are covering on your podcast? That that, that is a you terrific know, get, question. Yeah, where we can get some, yeah. some cross pollinating going across the different shows on this network. We uh we need to sort that out. Um, yeah. we have we I do we do have a long list of stuff um that yes. we pitch to each other. So uh, it's not like we've run out of things. But as far as what the next one will be, uh, you know, it's could could be could be anything. Yeah, we really. try to find a good pairing, and more often than not, it's not even intentional how well they work yeah. out. Because obviously, I mean, what we do is recommend a movie to each other that the other hasn't seen. So, you know, you don't yeah. know. <laughs> so stay tuned in a few weeks for the episode where we recommend our favorite Thanksgiving movies the other person hasn't seen oh. to each other. Oh geez, that, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I don't know. I was like gonna five. say that sounds like a pretty good thing to do if you're, you know, yeah. one of those people dreading Thanksgiving and you <laughs> go like go take your laptop, hide in the closet, and catch have up on the movies you guys Have you ever seen Home for the Holidays? I have not. Have you seen Thanks Killing? No. All right, <laughs> there we are. Magic board <laughs> <we> right <laughs> here. <laughs> All right, well, get ready for a killer puppet turkey. <laughs>